who called Standfast. And here's why I feel like this message is important because I was, uh, I put this message together, full disclosure, started at 11 p.m. tonight, finished it at 6.30 a.m. this morning. Um, and that's okay with me um, because I, it's not that I procrastinated it, it just sometimes when you're working on a particular message and I just don't force them anymore. Um, but this one I got a picture of late last night uh, after Sarah and I got back home. And the picture was, and I just want you to know, this is not speaking to anybody specifically in this room. Many of you will go, oh, he's, he's talking about me. <laughs> and although maybe I talk with you personally and you, I know some of the things you're going through um, in your life, uh, this has no one, nobody in mind. But I do believe that the Holy Spirit is going to single out a few folks this morning in a good way. And if he does, I just want you to encourage you, as we have before, feel free to stand. Because I think at that moment, you're going to feel like something's uh, strengthening you at that moment. And the picture that I got was God's people, his believers, being moved. Um, who can I use? Oh, Chloe, come on up here. This would be perfect. <laughs> is I see... Come on over here, Chloe. I see someone like her representing believers and just raise your hands. And I see during the church thing, raising your hands and loving people and reading their Bible and then just a little bit of bad news comes and it pushes us off of a place called faith. And we get knocked around. We don't know where we're at. We kind of go, oh my gosh, what was that? And we try to work our way back to that place. And we get back here. Chloe, come on right back here. And something else just pulls us off of our faith. And that's the picture I'm watching many believers go through. And everything's good when the circumstances around them are okay. But when the circumstances around are getting crazy, I'm watching people just get pushed back and forth and moved left and right, and their conversations now are moved by what they see, and they're not moved by the one that says, I am with you, and I got your back. And thank you, Chloe. And I want to show you a passage, and then I want to build from this passage. It comes from James chapter 1, verse number 5. There's going to be a moment in the service, I know it for many of you, where you feel like God's going, that's you. And that's when he's going to infuse you with the grace to go, you know what? All right, it's time to hold fast to the very things that I either once believed or that I know God has promised inside of my life. It could be about your kids, it could be about your marriage, it could be about your health, it could be about your finances, it could be about you just enduring to the end of as a believer, is that many of us have been pushed off the place of faith, and how will we know this? And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you will know it by the attitude of rejoicing in your heart. So it says these words, if any of you lacks, and the word there in the scriptures says wisdom, but I don't know if you can put another word in there for you today. Sometimes we're asking God for things, so put it in there. Some of you lack peace. Some of you lack joy. 
Some of you lack vision for what God has for you. Some of you lack endurance. Some of you lack the very things that you need to keep on fighting, uh, uh, rejoicing in, in who you are as a believer. So if any one of you lacks, put the word in the blank, let him what? Let him ask of God. Asking's okay. Asking is a sign that I am lacking or missing something in who I am. And Lord, I'm coming to you because I believe that you are the source. Honestly, if any of you lack something, you know who we ask first? Who do we usually ask? People. Or we go to a book, or we go to Google. <laughs> or we just, or we, you know what, we just zone out and go to Facebook. <laughs> but if any of you lack something, the first place that we are to go, the first place that we are to understand that is the source of everything that we would possibly need in that moment is we need to ask the one who can only give it to us. The only one who has what we desperately need at that very moment. And he says, he will give to all liberally and without reproach. And many times we struggle to ask God because we're unsure whether or not he's willing or that he at that moment is going to give us the very thing that we had asked for. And it says, and it will be given to him. But here's the, the clincher. But let him ask in what? But let him ask in faith. Faith doesn't mean you have it all together. Faith doesn't mean that you're, 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 you're not moved in your mind or that you're not experiencing crazy thoughts. Faith just means that I am going to believe you over what I see. And therefore, I am going to look to you as the source I'm not going to look to you of change this, please, Lord. No, I'm going to look to you and say, Father, I desperately need peace. And me and Jim, uh, Pastor Jim, were just talking this morning. And a thought as we were talking was brought back to my memory. And I remember sharing it on stage a few months ago is that many of us take our problem. And that is now the very um, topic of discussion between us and God. And there is a place as a believer where your problem is no longer the thing that you and God talk about. You talk about the very character of who he is and the very nature of who he is and the very promises that he has given to you. I am telling you personal experience, the difference it makes when I talk to God about what he has promised me over the problem that I'm facing. Because many times the problem becomes the very thing that we talk to God about. And many of us leave the time of talking with God and we're still what? Worried and fearful and full of doubt. And unsure what we're gonna, if, if we're going to actually make it with what we just prayed about. And so he says, let him ask of God, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. I just want to encourage you with this because that seems like an impossibility. Doubting is not here. Doubting is in the heart. Doubting is going, I'm going to ask him, Lord, and I'm going to pray for this, but I'm not sure whether or not he's going to come through. That's doubting. The thought is, many come. Many thoughts come to your mind of, well, why would God do that for you? Well, how, well, how, how is he going to come through in this time? Well, what if he doesn't come through in this time? Well, what if you don't make it? What if your marriage fails? What if your kids never come back to see Christ? What if you actually financially don't ever see victory in that area? What if what the doctor said is actually true and you'll forever have the very thing that the doctor said? 
And so that's a place of warfare. That's a place of fighting. That's a place of fighting the good fight. And he says, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For, and this is a hard passage. For let not that man suppose that he will be able to receive or receive anything from the Lord, for he is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. What I'm going to share with you will help you to no longer be that person. That you're not moved by the winds of this life and you're not double-minded. Double-minded is about the outcome of a situation. So if the doctors told you something, and especially those who love to research about what the doctors said, has it ever taken you to a positive? No, it takes you down a spiral of, oh dear, oh my, oh man, oh, 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 you know what? And then you're just at a complete place of despondency. That's double-minded. That's taking you to the end result and going, because that happened, this is going to be the result. And it's not putting God's promise on a pedestal like it should be. And so 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13 says these words. Watch. And what? Stand fast in the faith. And it says, be brave and be strong. And I want to speak to every single one of you, no matter where you're, what you're going through, whether you are on the mountaintop enjoying the scenery or you're in the valley wondering if there's even a thing called a mountaintop. And I want to encourage you to stand fast, to be brave, and to what? Be strong. But that strength doesn't come from your own strength. That strength doesn't come from anything except from the, the one who makes you strong, which is the Lord. And so in life, there is a current. Every, everybody deals with this, especially as believers. As you're living in the world and the pleasures of this world and you're, you're, no, you're, not a, uh, you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, the current is going with you, so to speak. And that's why sometimes David even prayed in Psalm 73, Lord, I look at the wicked and I see them prospering. Like, why does it seem so easy? Why are their marriages not failing as much as we see sometimes uh, uh, marriages uh, of those who are called believers? Because the current is going with those who are part of that current. But when you get saved and you, 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 you say, you know what, I received Jesus Christ. He says, okay, it's time to follow me. And just think about a current taking you out in the ocean, and now it's time to swim back toward the, uh, the shore. And that's what it is, is that I believe in Jesus Christ, and now I'm going against. And that's when people go, whoa, 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 what kind of light? What is this going? Wait, I just received Christ, and why is all of this stuff happening to me? Like, why in the world is this so hard now? Because the current is now pushing against you, and we are called to steadfastly move against the current of life and keep on going. And that's why the Bible constantly says, do not grow. Why? Because it's tiring. It is mentally, emotionally, physically tiring at times to keep on going against the current until you understand how to rest in the Lord. It's a powerful, powerful principle that I think is going to come to light tonight. And so as we're following Christ, these are the three thoughts that kind of came to my mind. If you could put those on the screen. The next slide, I think it is. 
It's important to put on a new mind. It's a mindset of victory. And so when I have conversations with some of you in this room, and again, there's no indictment against anybody. There, I'm not, I don't have a single person in my mind when I say this, is the conversation when it's surrounding the circumstance they're going through is not one of victory. Even singing that song is probably hard for some people because we can't even see victory with what we're going through. And that is okay for a moment. But as I'm following Christ and going against the current of life, in order for me to stand fast and not be moved and to rest in who I am to God and who he is to me, I must put on a mindset of victory. I must begin to realize that the battle is already, that's a hard, that's a hard truth to actually accept when you see the opposite. When you feel like God promised you something, when you feel like somebody spoke over your life a word about your future, when you feel like you know God wants this inside your life and you don't see it, to put on a, a, a mindset and go, man, victory is mine. Because you feel like you're pretending, you feel like you're lying, you feel like you're not telling the truth. But there's a greater truth that we live by and it's a mindset that he wants us to put on and it's a mindset that Jesus secured it all. Jesus paid the price for everything that it is that I may be facing, and victory is mine. So I look at my kid's situation, and maybe they're wayward and walking away from God. I have to put on the mindset and say, you know what? Victory is mine in this area. And I put on that mindset, and I, I hold fast to keeping that helmet or that mind on. The second one, which is, I think, the key word in this whole entire message to know whether or not you're steadfast is an attitude of what? Rejoicing. That's an attitude. That's a disposition. That's a, that's a way of living life that no matter what I go through, there's a, there's a posture that I can take of one who rejoices rather than one who has thrown the towel and say, God, why are you letting me go through this? God, why did this happen to me? God, when is this going to be over with? God, why do I have to keep on battling this? And there is a place of rejoicing. Guys, this is not pretend. This is a battle that you're in. We're all in this battle. The current, as we just mentioned, it's going against us. We are, we are to endure to the end. We are to produce fruit for the kingdom. But there's an enemy out there that is trying to what? What I just did with Chloe, trying to push us off of this place called faith. He just wants to move because if he can get me off of this place, I'm no longer in the mode of believing him. I'm now in my own battle. I'm in my own strength trying to make my own way out of this mess that I'm in. And the last dog that came to me as we follow Christ, it requires determination. How many have fallen recently? Not physically, but fallen away from what you feel like is what you're supposed to be as a believer. Okay. Determination is to get back up and say, God, I thank you for the victory that you have given to me. I know I'm struggling in this area. I'm struggling to believe. I'm struggling with this temptation. I'm struggling to keep on uh, uh, having hope in what you're doing inside of my life. Uh, but Father, I'm going to put that helmet or that mind on of victory is mine. And Father, I'm just going to 
attitude of rejoicing, and I'm going to be determined that that very thing is not going to define me, that thing's not going to keep me from the very thing that you have for me. There is callings on each of your lives. There is things that God has for every single one of you, assignments specifically designed for who you are. And he is saying, stay, stand fast in what I've called you to. Keep on believing. Be determined that you are not going to be defined by what you've done in your past. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says these words. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be what? Steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Don't be moved. Stand fast to what you believe the Lord has shown you, to believe what the Lord has promised you. Hold fast to that. And I pray that the Holy Spirit, even as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit is going to be reminding of you or reminding you of a few things that he has spoken to your heart that maybe you have let go or moved off of. Psalms 125 verse number one says, those who trust in the Lord, those who what? Trust. Those who trust in the Lord, those who are willing to say, God, I'm going to trust you. No matter what I see, what I'm going through, what I'm facing off with, how I'm feeling, I trust you. He says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. And so the pressures of life are coming. Has anybody ever experienced pressure in life? Anybody? It weighs us down. It changes our countenance. It has the ability to mess with our minds. It causes us to snap on our kids or our spouses or anybody that's in front of us. Pressure seems to, to reveal some things about all of us. And you know what it reveals? Initially, it reveals what's missing between me and my father. It reveals something that is, that's not presently an upgrade inside of my life. If there is cracks in the ceiling, but there was no rain, we would never experience the consequence of those cracks in the, in the roof, right? Until when? Until a storm came. And then when the storm came... What happens is the cracks begin to leak and we now begin to get water on our head. And what if we just were, as we usually do, what if we started to pray to God, Lord, I pray it never rains again. Who could believe a prayer like that? No one. Why? Because it's going to rain again. So instead of praying that there's no rain, what should we now believe God for? Help us to fix the cracks. Help us to fix what's missing in my relationship with you, what's lacking in my trust with you. And so I don't know if you've ever experienced it when pressure hits and you responded a certain way and you're like, where did that come from? It was there all along. And God was not there going, oh, good, I'm going to now teach you never to do that again. No, God goes, I wanted you to see that because that's where I'm now going to upgrade you into who you are to me. And I'm going to show you, Justin, that when that bad news came upon you and you started to freak out because of that bad news, I was just allowing that thing to reveal to you where I actually am going to upgrade you so that when bad news comes again, Justin, there's a place in Christ, there's a place in me where that bad news is filtered through the Spirit of God. And when you hear it, you realize God doesn't see problems, He only sees possibilities. 
And now when you hear bad news, you're excited about, and I know this sounds stupid. (laughs) I know it sounds like, oh, Justin, that's just, okay, that's a whole bunch of hocus pocus. No, when you hear bad news, there's a place in Christ that you're now excited about what he's going to do because he promised something with every bit of problems that you've ever faced in your life. There's always a promise attached to it. And when you believe that promise, you're upgraded now into who you are in Christ and you start to go, holy cow. What am I, why am I able to see something like this? Because now you're being upgraded to see something the way he sees it. Because his ways are not your ways and his thoughts are not your thoughts. So when you start to see something from his perspective, that's why he can say rejoice. And that's why he can say what we're about to look at in just a moment from James, count it all joy. So pressure reveals two things about my trust in God. You can put that slide on there. It says two things that come revealed is, do I believe God's word? When pressure hits your life, bad news comes. Somebody does you wrong. Somebody says something about you that's not true. You lost your job. Finances are tight. Your marriage doesn't seem like it's going to work itself out. When that pressure comes and it doesn't change. You know how you've been there before where the pressure hits and you're praying and you're praying and you know that's not working. So you start fasting and praying and fasting and praying and that doesn't work. So you start eating and praying and you just start eating and you're no longer praying. You're just now eating and eating and binge watching something. You're like just trying to and the pressure doesn't ever stop. And it, 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 it appears like the enemy tries to make a deal with us. If you stop pressing after God, if you stop believing, Justin, I will lay off you. And how many times I know personally will I just backed off of my believing something that I know he put in my heart? Just because pushing forward was too much pressure, little did I know as I backed off, the enemy just kept on coming and coming, trying to intimidate me to a place of, you better stop believing, because if you keep on believing, I'm going to come after your kids, I'm going to come after your spouse, I'm going to come after your ministry, I'm going to come after your future. If you keep on pressing, Justin, I'm going to press harder, and you're going to lose. Little did I know at that time that, man, I realized victory is what? It's mine. And that when I start to rejoice in that moment, the enemy starts to get confused. He doesn't, he, he wonders why is he not buckling to the things that I told him? Because I believe there's, there's somebody that if God is for me, who's going to be against me? And so pressure reveals two things. Do I believe God's word? It's easy to believe on Sunday morning from 10 to 1130, isn't it? It's like, I wish we could just live in this moment sometimes. Like, this is, I can believe God, man. Anything's possible, you know? I the worship team to always lead me in a place of worship. Uh, but then, then we get home, and then we go into our week, and then eventually, guys, it's going to happen. If it doesn't happen this week, it's going to happen in a month. Bad news is coming. A blind side's coming. God doesn't promise us a life without storms. He doesn't promise us a life where he's going to protect us from everything that could possibly harm us. And it's coming, and so the the pressure reveals a couple things. Do I believe God's word, and to what extent do I believe it? Because I can tell you honestly, and I'm going to reference this a couple of times, and I'm sorry that I do it so often, but it's very dear to me, and it just helps me to 
connect with you guys is it, 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 the first week of believing for summer's healing was very different than what I'm doing now. And so there's a place of believing God, but then there's a place of to what extent will you keep on believing? Will you believe for a year? Will you believe for two? How about three? And there's a point in all of our lives where you go, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll believe, but God, I really need you to come through by... And that date always seems to come and he doesn't do anything sometimes. It's like, you obviously did not hear what I said. <laughs> and, and so what happens is we start to now waver. The very thing we asked God for, because we didn't see it in the time that we thought, we now start to waver and we start to doubt and we start to get tossed by the winds to and fro and the Lord begins to go, man, when you're in that place, you can't receive from me. It's not that he doesn't want to give it. Is that he wants us to realize that no matter whether you see it, no matter whether you experience it, what he said is true. I hate that I said that statement personally, but I believe it with all of my heart that there is many who long to see some of the promises of God and they finished off their life on this earth. But I know that they stood before God and they said, Believing you was worth it, even though I never saw it. And then there's others who receive it, and they get it, and they walk in those things. And it's not a favoritism thing between us and God. He just wants one thing from us. Will you believe me? And to what extent will you believe me? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says these words, I'll honor to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it's by his boundless mercy that God has given us the privilege of being born again. Now we live, because of this privilege of being born again, we live with a wonderful expectation because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. For God has reserved a priceless inheritance for his children. It is kept in heaven for you. It's pure and it's undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. Verse 5. And God, in his mighty power, will what? He's going to protect you until you receive the salvation because you are trusting in him. It will be revealed on the last day for all to see. So truly, or so be what? Truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead. Even though it's necessary for you, <laughs> there's a wonderful what ahead? Joy. All right, now th these two sentences, he must have been drinking a little bit while he was writing this, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is that there is a wonderful what? Joy ahead of you, even though it is necessary for you to endure just a few Many what? Trials. Okay, I want you to see this. I'm called to follow Christ, put on this mindset of victory, attitude of rejoicing. I'm determined. It's like the beginning of, I used to do two-a-days and sometimes three-a-days for football. And it's like, oh man, you're excited. You put on the pads and then like by hour two, you're puking. You're like, this is stupid. Why are we doing this? It's like nine degrees same thing happens as we put all this stuff. We say, okay, I'm going to follow Christ, and I'm going to do it well, and I'm going to go after it. And God, I'm so excited about what you have for me. And God, man, you promised me this. And new believers are like, did you see this promise? Do you see this? And you're like, 
yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and we're like all despondent because the new believer's all excited. And so he starts plowing through, running this race, running this race. And boom, man, a trial nails him. And he's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. What, that? Boom, and something nails him there. And boom, and just nails him there. And now we start to retreat a little bit and go, wait, wait, God, I didn't sign up for this. Until he begins to teach you that joy, there's a joy in all of that. There's a joy that when the enemy comes and blindsides you and maybe does something that you're just devastated by, there's joy in that attached to that devastation. Are you following me so far? Like everything he's promised is attached to the attack that came against you. And in every single one of those moments, there's a gift that God gave you in every single one of those moments. And he said, there's a joy that is ahead for us, even though it's necessary for you to endure many what? Trials, just for a while. Now look at verse seven. And these trials are only to what? Are they to test you? No. They're to test one thing. Your faith. Your resolve your stance of what will you believe. That's what these trials are there for. They're there to test your faith, to show that it's strong and that it's pure. And it's not about your grip on God. It's about God's grip on you. My faith is in his grip. My faith is not in my grip. Are you following that? My faith is in him, in him holding on to me, and him leading me, and him loving me, and his commitment to me, and his goodness toward me. My faith is not in my commitment to him, my holding on dear life for him, my obedience to him, my dedication to him. That's not where my faith lies. And that's why I can rest because I realize I only have to put trust in his ability, not mine. And so when my faith is tested, it's trying to what? Get me off of the place of believing that God, it said that God will protect me to the very end. That no matter what I go through, God is there going, I'm still with you. Don't stop believing. I'm still there with you, Justin. Don't stop believing. It's a lie. What he's doing to you is a lie. What he's telling you is a lie. How he's pushing you away is a lie. Don't stop pressing forward. Keep on running the race that I've called you for. Many trials are coming, but there's joy in every trial. And he says that it's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And your faith, faith in who? Him, not in you. People admire our dedication to God because they don't know us. Do you know what I'm saying? Like some of you probably in this room admire to some level of a commitment I may have to God, but you don't know me. I admire one thing. He is so committed to me. Like he holds on to me. That the reason I, I'm here on Sunday, I'm able to preach and I'm able to enjoy what I do is only because of his grace that he's given to me. Like I know 
And when I used to put faith in myself, what happens is you have to fake a smile. You have to put on this pretend mask and say, I can do this. I can do this. But when you finally are willing to go, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about my ability to hold on to him. It's not about whether or not my faith is great. It's not about whether I'm super courageous or super brave. No, it's about him. And I realized, man, I'm secure with him. Like when I go on some of these stupid uh, roller coaster rides that my wife and kids take me on, which I hate desperately, the only thing I'm believing is I'm secure in this thing. Like let's put this thing as hard, tight, yeah, amen. Let's put this thing as tight as you can against our legs so that I'm, I feel as secure as possible. And like why don't they put a harness on this thing? I mean why do these do have a bar? But that's where my faith is in the fact that, man, I know he's with me. I know that he loves me. I know that he's good toward me. And I know that he's actually going to bring me out wherever he needs me to go. And I know he's going to do the same thing with my daughters, Summer and Carly. They may get caught up in the wrong friends. I'm not, I'm not believing that. But if they do, I, at the end of the day, all I'm called to do is to what? Stand fast. And know God, take care of those girls. And he will. But many of us are what? We're moved by what we see. We're moved by what we see and somebody does this wrong and we get moved off of standing fast and we go, I hate them. Never want to see them again. I could never forgive them. And then somebody lies about us and we're pushed off this and we're trying everything in our power to now give our reputation a better look in front of people's eyes by destroying theirs. And we're just moved. We're moved all over the place, never standing fast in a place of I'm not moved because I'm a beloved son or daughter. And then when we mess up and the enemy comes and says, man, God is so disappointed in you, and we receive it, we move again off of faith. And we look at our commitment and our dedication and go, God, I'm so sorry. You must be so what? Disappointed in me. And all I can hear him say back is, who told you that? Like, who told you that? Well, no, 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 God, I did this, and I know that you, 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 you don't like, like that, and therefore you must be. Yeah, but who told you that? Why don't you stand in a place of what? Faith, I'm not moving. God, I thank you that I'm your beloved. I screwed up royally. I'll apologize to those that I messed up toward. But Father, I thank you that I can stand fast in your love for me. And it says that your faith is more precious than mere gold. So if your faith remains strong after being tried by fiery trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. We are to stand fast in who God is for us. This is my encouragement to all of you. Who is God for you? He's your Abba. He's your Father. He loves you. He's good toward you. He's always good, always has your best in mind, always setting you up to succeed in what he's called you to do. I stand fast in who he is for me. He's my redeemer. He's my healer. He's my helper. He's my sustainer. He's my comforter. God, who are you for me right now? I stand fast in that, and I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I'm going through. Father, I just remind myself of who you are to me. We stand fast in who I am to God. I'm his son. 
I'm the one that has a covenant with the Father God. I actually have a covenant with him. Therefore, I know he will deal with me according to the covenant. I can stand fast in that. Every single morning I wake up with an A on my report card. Why? Because what Jesus did for me, I can stand excited about the A. And when I go through a trial that day, I'm not looking for a day without trial. I'm looking for a day filled with his grace. Because I know it's his grace that is actually going to see me through that trial. And so no longer are circumstances any part of my conversation with the Lord. And when they are, it's okay. Because I realize he knows how to get us back to a place of faith. Because it's a relationship before what? Before function. Are you following me? And so we are to stand not only in who he is to us, we don't stand just in who we are to God, but we stand in the grace that only he can give. That grace is his empowering presence inside of our life. And the last thing I mentioned is that we stand on what? His character. If he promised it to you, always consider the what? Source. I say it to Summer all the time. When somebody says something stupid or mean or hurtful to her, I just say, consider the source. And God has promised something to us. And I don't have to put my trust on whether or not it's going to be true. I look at him and go, God, I can trust you because your character, you never lie. And you never fail. James 1, 2, and 4 says these words. It says, my brethren, count it what? I really want to make this statement clear if it it can come out that way. This is not a function. So this is not get bad news, devastated, cussing all over the place, telling people how bad life is, and then trying to be joyful. That's function. This right here is James who has probably caught an understanding of who God is and now sees problems very differently. And so when he comes into a trial, it says falls into a trial, he can count it all joy. Why? Because of one key word, the first word of verse number three says what? Knowing. The only reason you can count a trial with joy is that you what? You know something about that trial. The only reason there's any joy in going to a workout facility and hurting your muscles and sweating all over the place and and putting your body through a test is because you know that if you do that consistently, it will produce a what? A better looking body, right? You want different stomach? Go put it through some trials. But the same thing is here is I count it all joy because I know something about this trial. The Lord has showed me something about this trial that attached to this trial is actually what? Something that is producing something greater than what the trial is. It's producing what? Patience. Has anybody ever prayed for patience? (laughs) He tricked you, didn't he? I want you to see this. The promise of patience comes with what? Yeah. So the way that patience is developed in our life, patience is the, the ability to remain without moving according to God's word. It's not just like you're patient in line. That's not what that patience is referring to. 
So if God wants to grow me in patience and develop me and upgrade me in my patience, which means that I'm not moved and wavering, what has to precede it? Yeah, say it boldly. Say it like you love it. Say it like it's joyful. It, that, I, I, maybe think about it. Go ahead and think about it. If you don't believe me, that's fine. But what I'm saying is that patience is attached to something. So the upgrade of patience in my life is attached to the trial that I'm going to face. So when a trial comes, most of us look at that trial. We dissect the trial. We realize, man, this trial really stinks. Oh, man, because of this trial, this is now going to happen. Oh, wait, this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. And now we're at a place of, I hate this, what? Trial. I despise what God has allowed me to go through. So we hate the very thing that had the attachment to it, an upgrade from God. And so we never get the upgrade because we despise what we had to go through to get it. And therefore, we want a life now that doesn't have those things, but we never get what? Patience. So we're never developing in who we are in Christ. We're constantly moved back and forth by the same issues all day long, never seeming like, why am I still responding this way? Because every trial comes with it, what? An upgrade of patience. And when you finally take that trial and go, oh, I know why you're here. You're here to upgrade me in patience. Therefore, I can count it all. And now this trial is no longer something I talk to God about. It's something being really negative. You guys are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, it's so hard to preach, isn't it? But So now let what? Patience. That patience that's connected to that trial that you can only uh, have in that trial, that patience have its perfect work. If you put popcorn in the microwave, and it says microwave it for two and a half minutes, but you're super hungry, and so you only let it in there for 30 seconds, what are you going to get out? A bag that is still folded with a bunch of kernels in it. And that's what sometimes we do. We, we hit the abort button. Not the abort, sorry. Yeah, what's the eject button? We hit the eject button so quickly. Why? God, get me out of here. I can't take it anymore. I can't do this anymore. God, I can't believe anymore. I can't, Lord, I just can't do this anymore. And he goes, you're missing it. There's a gift in that thing for you and it's called patience. So the next time when you go through something and you face off with it, you're not moved like you were before. And it says, when patience has its perfect work, you may be what? Perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Give me, give me 10 more minutes. I say this without minimizing anything. I say this in light of the, own, own, the, the problems that we face as well as a family. Your problem is not as big as it appears. Your problem is not as big as it appears. I don't know what problem you're thinking of, but I know it's real. And I know it seems big but it's not as big as you think that it is when you see it from a different perspective. And I believe Ryan shared this last week at worship, but we'll see if he, he did or not. 2 Corinthians 4 says these words. It says, for our what? 
Man, Paul is writing something so important. This is a man who was beaten with rods. This is a man who was striped on his back. This is a man who was shipwrecked. This is a man who is constantly was being uh, persecuted for preaching the word of God. And he says these words. I don't know how he said them, but there's so much truth in it. For our what affliction? Our light is but for a moment. And that light affliction, which is just for a moment, what's it doing? It's now working for us. So the thing that you're battling with, maybe it's a diagnosis, maybe it's a sickness, maybe it's a, a, a losing of something or a losing of someone, that light affliction is just for a moment. And now that thing will work for us, what? A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we what? Do not look at the things which are seen. I just had the privilege, and I thought it was a phenomenal movie, of watching the movie Harriet. And Harriet's father, as she was leaving for the first time from the, the grounds where she was a slave, she went to her father's house, who was not with her at the time, and he said, I'm not going to look at you so that when they ask me, have you seen your daughter, he can tell them, I haven't seen her. And so eventually as she, she brought more people to be set free, he had a blindfold on his eyes. And it's so that he could be with a good conscience, conscience I did not see them at all. <laughs> Even though he was part of helping her get them free. And I just got that same picture there as while we would. Man, put a blindfold on. <laughs> this is a funny story. Kind of weird, but funny. I'm just going to sidetrack. I usually don't do that. I, I can't see without my glasses, like you all look the same. <laughs> and so when I was in college, I was super protective of what I watched and what I saw. And so I would actually go to the workout facility like this so that I didn't have my eyes wander anywhere. <laughs> pretty, pretty drastic, but uh, I did that. It says, while we do not what? We do not look. At the things, what? Which are seen. I know how easy it is to live that way. I know how easy it is to look at something and you can begin to get a, get a print out of what that thing that you know is gonna do to your life and what it could do and what it possibly could happen inside your life. But he says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things that we do see are what? They are just temporary. But the things that we can't see, the promises of God, the character of God, those things are what? Eternal. I'm going to finish off with this story, the story of my daughter. And I remember when Sarah had called me the day that we brought Summer into the hospital. Um, and I was back at the, uh, the condo helping out with Carly. And they got the understanding that Summer is not doing well. Her numbers were very, really high. And then they had told her the news that your daughter has diabetes, which we still at that point didn't know what that even meant. You know, like, okay, maybe she has to take a pill a day. or. Um, but then they begin to coach Sarah on the drastic nature of what this now will do for her life, that her pancreas is no longer going to function at all. And now she'll be dependent upon insulin, and you'll have to check her blood sugar and all that stuff. And so I remember that Sarah gave me that news over the phone and you just, you're, you're knocked off your, your place. You're just like, whoa, 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 no way. Why did that happen? 
And I remember walking into the hospital room, and I saw Summer Rae there with, you know, of course, all those wires, and, you know, she looked as frail as can be. And, and it just, fear just came over me. And, and these are the words that were whispered in my ear. Do not be afraid, only believe. And to this day, I, I don't know, actually, let me see if it's on here. No, it's not. I changed the picture. So I put it on my screen thing, on my iPad. So every time I'd turn it on, it said, do not be afraid, only believe. And those words come from a story in Mark chapter 5 where there is a lady with the issue of blood. She had this issue for 12 years. It says that she went to many doctors and she didn't get any better. And she actually be, spent everything that she had but she heard about a person named Jesus. And at that time, culturally, if you had that kind of issue, you were not allowed to be part of the society. And so what she was doing was a big risk, but it was her only hope. And so she heard about Jesus being there, and she started to press through the crowd. But before that happened, there was another story that was taking place of a ruler in town who came to Jesus and says, I need you to come. My daughter is at the point of death. And so I, I, I may have shared that before with you, but I want to get you the picture of the guy talking with Jesus, and Jesus said, let's go to your daughter. And so they're walking toward his daughter. He's in his mind going, oh man, can we just go as quick as possible? My goodness, my daughter's about to die. You're my only hope. And then this lady interrupts. Just think about that for a moment. A lady interrupts. Jesus looks around and says, who touched me? Somebody touched me. And I felt power go out of my entire body. And then the lady's saying there, everybody's saying, I don't know who touched you. I mean, there's so many people around. So many probably are touching you. No, somebody touched me with faith. They saw the lady. And he said, woman, your faith has made you. But I can only imagine the guy at that moment going, are you, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? Like, she could have come tomorrow or the next day, but she had to come right at the moment when I need something personal like that, and she gets healed, and guess what just happened? She got healed. Servants of him come and say, do not bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter is, yep. Guys, think about this for a moment. This is real stuff. I don't know when you were believing God or standing fast and going, God's going to turn this around. I know he's going to turn this around. And you feel like, man, he's, oh, he's turning it around. I can see it. I can feel his presence. And you're walking there and the news goes from bad to what? Worse. And it's at that moment you go, oh my gosh, God, how in the world did you let this happen? I can imagine the emotions that this man must have had looking at him and going, are you kidding me? Why did we stop for somebody? My daughter was going to die. Did you not even care? And you cared about this lady. And Jesus heard the word spoken to him and said to him what? Do not be afraid, only believe. It's like, what? And I want to encourage you guys, stand fast. Don't be afraid, only believe. Don't let yourself get pushed off of what God said to you and this person did this and this person said this and uh, I, God didn't come through for this and God never did this when I, I, I believed he was gonna do this. Stand fast and what? 
be not afraid and only believe. And if you see it while you live, praise the Lord. And if you don't, it's okay. It's worth the fight. It's called a good fight of faith because it's a worthy one. It's worthy to battle. It's worthy to trust God. It's worthy to say, God, I believe you no matter if I see it, no matter if I ever will see it. I believe you. Father, I believe that you're going to heal my daughter, but if you never heal her while we're living this life, I thank you that one day she's going to stand in your presence completely well. And I thank you that you'll use that for your glory, Father God. And what we do is we stand fast and go, I'm not moving. I'm just believing. And I remember those words, although they were comforting to me at the moment, I had to fight for them. I had to hold fast in the morning and at nighttime when she would go to bed initially. It's way different now for us than it was then. We had no way to know what she was except by pricking her finger. And so I had to hold fast and go, okay, God. I won't be afraid that she's going to die tonight because that's possibilities with a diabetic. I'm going to just believe that she'll be alive when I wake up. And I rested and Sarah rested. Otherwise, your fear will cause you to wake up every two hours checking on her. And you just rest and, Father, I won't be afraid And when she's going to school, when she's going high, when she's going to low, it was just this moment of, Justin, I want to show you how to hold fast and rest in this thing. And so I don't know where you're at in your own journey of trusting God. But it's not how about great your faith is. It's how great the God is that serves you, that's holding dearly onto your life. It's how great his love is for every single one of you. It's how great his grace is for each and every one of you. It's how great his security is when you can run into him as a strong fortress and you can find yourself in a place of rest in the midst of crazy circumstances. So here's my encouragement to you this morning. Give your care to him. Whatever it is you're holding on to that is weighing you down, the backpack that you take with you every single morning when you leave the house and it's like, this is mine to bear, Give it all to him and say, Father, I can't handle this anymore. I can't figure it out. And when you give me wisdom for it, I will follow that wisdom. When you give me a grace to believe, I'm going to believe what you called me to believe. But I give you this care this morning. Let's pray. So, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name for every single one of my brothers and sisters in this room. And I just thank you that, Holy Spirit, you're sitting right next to them. And you're whispering to them, give me that care. Give me that weight you're holding on to of the situation that you're facing. Let me take care of it. Let me give you a peace in exchange for you giving me your care. Let me give you my joy in exchange for you giving me your care. Let me give you my strength in exchange for you saying, I can't do this. Give that to me. And just surrender to what I have for you. So Father, we just received that this morning. I thank you for a group of believers that are learning 
how to put their trust in you. And Father, when bad news comes this week, and when a circumstances seems to go from bad to worse, that will immediately turn to you with an attitude of rejoicing and we'll lift our hands in the air and say, Father, thank you for what you're doing in my life. We trust in you, Father, every step of the way. And for those who are going through these battles, Father God, we stand by their side, cheering them on, telling them not to throw in the towel, telling them not to give in, not to give up, Father, but to trust in the grace that only you can give. And I bless them today. In Jesus' name.